0: Alex Moset and welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle between large tech monopolies and traditional incumbents. And so today, just this past week, we learned that wish confidentially files to go public. You know, it's it's kind of ironic, you know, they confidentially file yet, everyone finds out. But, you know, really what they mean by confidentially filed is that you don't see, you know, all the disclosures of the filing yet. Um So this is a draft registration that they submitted to the SEC, but they're not disclosing their financial information or how many shares they're offering. And from that, you could kind of back out a valuation. So we don't really know roughly where WISH is trying to value itself when they go public, but they are starting the IPO process. Uh, so, what is Wish, and you know what? What is this company all about? Basically, Wish is a product marketplace. They're valued at about eleven billion dollars. They've raised one point six billion dollars in equity capital. They have big funders. They have PE investors. They have obviously VC investors. But it's a it's a marketplace, and so you would ask yourself, "That's interesting, right?" A marketplace is 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 filing to go public in twenty twenty. Um, when Amazon is clearly that that large tech monopoly, how would a startup be able to compete against uh, Amazon, right? And the answer is, well, they didn't do it with their infrastructure and retail stores and existing customer base like Walmart has done. Instead, the answer is that they have a different supply base. And because of that supply base... The products that you find on Wish are going to be very different than the products you find on Amazon or just about many other places for that matter. And they're cheap. They're cheap products. And why are they cheap products? Because they pretty much all come from China. Pretty much 90 something percent of all of them come from China. So there's a there's a trend here that's been going on over the past number of years. We've kind of spoken to it here or there over the show uh, at different moments. But the, the trend is um, Chinese ma- uh, manufacturers going direct to marketplaces. Uh, I had just been talking about, um, I pronounce it Anker. I guess it's actually supposed to be pronounced anchor, but whatever. Anker, Anker, Tomato, Tomato. That company just filed to go public like two weeks ago. Yeah, I think in the Shenzhen market, stock market, stock exchange, the Chinese stock exchange. You know- That company is an example of a direct to Amazon product brand electronic company. Um, They don't even have. They didn't. Well, now they have a website, but when when they first started, they didn't even bother making a website. They never put any emphasis on selling to the consumer through their own channels. The only emphasis of the company was to build a brand and build a distribution mechanism through Amazon. Through the uh, marketplace model, basically, what Wish is doing is taking that and and doing the marketplace version of that. It's taking this trend of having Chinese manufacturers sell through American marketplaces to American consumers, and is basically just saying, "Well, we're pretty much only going to focus on Chinese manufacturers to American consumers for cheap stuff." You know, the downside of that is it takes a long time to ship the product from China to here, so. You know, you, if you go on Wish, you'll find, you know, you'll find like um, a screen protector for a buck versus if you buy that in uh, in in Apple or, or, you know, actually for many of them on Amazon, you're probably spending at least $10 or if you're buying it from Apple, you're probably spending at least $20 or more. And so you go on Wish and you get it for a buck. Why? Because it's coming from a Chinese manufacturer, but you have to wait maybe a month to get it, right? So over time, what Wish has invested in is to try and speed up the logistics and the fulfillment, right? So they've launched a program where on a select number of SKUs and products, you can get them in like um, six days or a week and a half or something like that, right? And then as we've seen with any of these um, e-commerce, it doesn't have to be marketplace, e-commerce marketplaces, if you can decrease that fulfillment time, if you can get product to your customer faster... Um, they like that, and they will want to come back, right? Um, so basically, Wish has invested a lot into how do we get product from Chinese manufacturers to customers in the United States faster than you know four weeks, six weeks, which is which is where they they started at, and still there's a lot of products on that schedule. But the real story here is the growth of. Um, sellers, Chinese sellers on marketplaces. So let's look at Amazon. This is December, 2017. Uh, China is a third of the Amazon marketplace. So a third of the Amazon sellers. There we go. There's the money chart. The uh, blue purple. Some would say violet. The 34.4%, those are sellers from China. Based elsewhere, US or elsewhere, could also be Southeast Asia for that matter, uh, are not from China, right? So this is specifically Chinese manufacturers, a little over a third. This is December 2017, okay? A little less than three years ago. Now, May 2019, it is now 40%. And here they're tracking this site does good, good Amazon tracking marketplace pulse um, here. They're tracking all the different Amazons. These are the, uh, you know, these these are the kind of European Amazons they're tracking. Um, this is amazon.co.uk, new sellers, top locations. So this isn't even just, Um, They're not, only. I mean, this site is actually looking also at um, the European Amazon sites. So Chinese manufacturers are going into Amazon in Europe and obviously Amazon in the United States. And then here is March of 2020, March 19th of 2020. Chinese sellers flock to Amazon as factories recover. Remember, COVID originated in China. And, you know, officially, I think they were tracking in January. I think it was starting there sooner. Uh, Whatever. Point is, their factories were starting to recover right when we were starting to really get hit with it in the United States. So this is a March 19 where the Chinese factories are starting to recover. And now they're trying to meet the needs of, you know, the American consumer. So look at this percentage of new new Amazon.com sellers based in China. Look at that. The uh the I'll call this violet. That's 2020. You see that spike where January is 40 about 45%, boom, fab it jumps down to about 35 33% and then March it's back up at 51%, right? Over half of the new sellers on amazon.com in the United States are from China. They go on further to say the top sellers on the marketplace represent 49% 49% of the sellers on Amazon. Furthermore, Chinese sellers outnumber US sellers on amazon.com. You can see the top the amazon.com top sellers top 10,000, top 50,000, top 100,000. Look at that. Top 50,000, 58% are from China. Separately, there are marketplaces that are trying to get going. Uh, I think one is called madeinamerica.co. This is a Made in America marketplace. The challenge for the Made in America marketplace, madeinamerica.co this one is is frankly, go try and find leading American brands manufactured in the United States. I've done it. It's hard. It's very hard. And even the big names that you find many of them are owned by either chinese manufacturers or uh conglomerates that have operations elsewhere so even some of them that are big they might own that brand and they keep that brand manufactured in the united states but it's actually owned by either a chinese or an international kind of conglomerate company even when you factor in those companies the the numbers are very low for for american brands and 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 American brands with manufacturing in the United States. If you exclude, you know, uh, big machines, right? Cars, uh, ATVs, boats, right? Like take those out of it. I'm talking more of your consumer product brands, your, um, for example, KitchenAid, uh, you know, the, the mixer in the kitchen. Um, that's still made here. But you have like Crayola, KitchenAid, um, whirlpool you know for washing machines and and that kind of stuff honestly the the list it 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 trickles off quickly um unfortunately so you've just seen and this you've just seen a um huge uh degradation of American manufacturing over the past twenty plus years, and i don't know what else chose it than than these graphs i mean look at this graph. It's, um, it's sad to see, frankly, it's sad to see. So, um, anyway, this is Wish's business in a nutshell. This is the trend that Wish has seized upon. Let's look at the graph for Wish. This is back November, 2018. Same, same site. Love the site. Wish is a portal to China. Here's their graph. Wish marketplace merchants by country. Violet is the whole thing. That's China, 94%. So, okay, let's go full circle. What do I think of the Wish IPO? I would run from this IPO. Why would I run from this IPO? You know, this trend has clearly been growing, right? I mean, I got a million graphs here to show the the trend of Chinese manufacturing increasing in the United States. However, I think that that trend is going to run into headwinds in the coming years. So I think wishes basically it's a basically a play on whether or not you think Chinese manufacturing and selling buying products from Chinese manufactured products, you know, directly to American consumers, is that trend going to increase or decrease or stay the same in the future? Me, uh I think it's going to decrease. I think that um you have two reasons for the decrease. One is what Wish has run into trouble doing is diversifying the products on Wish, right? So when you have products that are so cheap, it it's just very hard for the same reason Amazon needs to launch Amazon Luxury and keep it a separate entity. For the same reason that brands, luxury brands don't want to be around um, you know, the other uh, kind of Run of the mill textile brands on Amazon.com is the same reason why, um, even let's say, if you have three tiers—luxury, run of the mill, and um, made in China—then um, the luxury don't want to be near the run of the mill, and the run of the mill don't want to be near the made in China, right? The super cheap made in China. I'm not saying stuff made in China is all bad, but certainly if you're buying something for a buck where normally you could buy it for ten to twenty dollars yeah i mean you're not you're not you're not going for the quality purchase on that so for the same reason um that amazon experiences with with their luxury product has prevented wish from being able to diversify the products on the marketplace and that other brands want or other sellers you know just the demographics and and the and the and the purchasing profile if someone's on there to get a case for the phone for a dollar right are they it's it's very hard to to graduate into other product segments that are more premium or say made, you know, in, in, uh, in places that are just more expensive or different quality or whatever, however you want to classify it. Right. It's very hard for them to move into adjacent kind of product categories, with different levels of quality and price. So I think that's a challenge for them. That has been a challenge and I haven't really seen anything changing that trend for them, for them being wish. Um, Secondly, I think what you're starting to see, and will continue to see, and we haven't seen from Wish yet, we haven't seen what happened when you had supply chain disruption due to COVID and Wish's business. So you know we still don't have all the information about Wish and how they've encountered this. But I would say just directionally, if we think about, um, there's a huge desire to bring manufacturing back to the United States, you know, we're still in the midst of COVID, but, um, again, long-term I think about, um, where, where there's going to be just more challenges, whether from a trade perspective or, uh, you know, supply chain issues, it's, you're 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 setting yourself up to be vulnerable if your whole business is based on chinese manufacturers. Well, let's just put it that way. That's the exposure. To me this is a bet on, you know, basically where you see that uh that trend going. Um and so I would I would definitely hedge myself on this one. Not to say there's anything wrong with Wish or you know there's anything wrong with the business. It's just that's literally the whole supply chain is 94% from China and and um you know they've been around for a while. They're very smart people. They've raised over $1.5 billion. They're not just going to change the business model on a whim. Um, this is the business and is going to be the majority of the business and the revenue driver for many years to come. And so uh it could be challenged. So I think their urgency to go public um is appropriate because I would imagine that they want, you know, that they they might see some issues. I'm curious to see what's happened the past couple quarters now with tensions around the pandemic, supply chains, et cetera. Not that you're buying PPE off of Wish, but you know, I think there's, a, there's probably a good reason why there might be some urgency from the executives there to, to, uh, to go public sooner rather than later. You know, If I'm a little lukewarm, you could say, on Wish, uh, I'm pretty bullish on this company. Patreon is raising around a one point two billion dollar valuation they and and the cool thing about this it says they've raised a ninety million dollar round of funding from fans of its own so if you don't know what the company is is if you're an artist um you know a musician, a content creator a you know fill in the blank right you have some kind of fan base and if you want to if you want to help monetize that fan base Patreon will help you do that they will help you you know provide subscription plans and you can offer premium content you can offer you know premium products or exclusive access to the artists or the creators you know you can kind of package up all these different offerings for your most dedicated fans for your really die hard fans Um, who can subscribe and then get all those exclusive goodies right so they provide all of that they have um they say that they were on track to pay 500 million dollars out to artists on the site in 2019 and so they did and had paid out a billion dollars in aggregate since it was founded so that's very strong growth um they're doing 500 million dollars in one year it's 50 percent of the overall dollars doled out to creators that's that's very strong. It's a really cool business where they have, um, they said they have uh, over six million patrons. So those would be fans, right? Have supported more than two hundred thousand creators. It's a very cool business. Lots of creators, uh, content creators, and artists, and all these other kinds of things. Very unique, right? You know who is competing with this business? Nice niche that has now turned this company into a unicorn business. So this company. I'm I'm very bullish on and actually what they've said because of COVID, and if you're an artist, you don't I mean y- your income, right? A lot of your income would come from doing shows. So they have actually seen a huge boon to their business because you have a huge amount of their creators are looking for alternative ways to monetize and, you know, get an income. Being an artist is a tough life. Unless you've hit it big, you're you're living on peanuts. It's a difficult life. Services like this platforms like this really uh are are a crucial crucial way for artists to sustain themselves um especially during you know a pandemic where you can't have shows Kind of a difficult situation okay, last topic is um there's news now that uh the DOj is on an accelerated timeline to uh, file antitrust charges against Google in the coming weeks, says the New York Times. Um, the attorney general is accelerating this. Career lawyers, I guess, are a little bit more reticent. And um, they wanted more time. They have 40 lawyers that are that are working on uh, working on the case. Some argued this summer in a memo that ran hundreds of pages that they could bring a strong case but needed more time. You know why they're struggling and need more time? It's because they're not listening to this show. That much I can tell you. You know, they're going to go after privacy. Here. Through YouTube, Google Search, Google Maps, and a suite of online advertising products, consumers interact with the company nearly every time they search for information. Making It right? takes data from every interaction. Da, 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 da. This guy, Maqan del Rahim, I think he's an Iranian, uh, similar namesake as myself. You know, I've listened to him speak, I think it was at the, at the Dealbook conference, the New York Times conference. I think that was uh, fall of last year. Yeah, I think that was October of 2019. I was listening to this guy talk about how they were thinking about antitrust. You had uh, Chris Hughes there, the guy, um, you know, co-founder of Facebook. And um, they, they just, they hadn't, they, they didn't have it dialed in. It was, it was just very clear. Um, they're still trying to pin this back on the consumer. You know, this case is simple and you don't need extra time. You know, the case is made for you. There, there are a myriad of complaints by producers that have been wronged by Alphabet. And there's two buckets to that. Websites. Um, we've talked on the show so many examples of websites that have so clearly documented uh, Google favoring its own search results over theirs. Let's um, just take the hotel or travel industry, right? I mean, if you want to go book a hotel room, I mean, you look. Uh, Five or 10 years ago, we've done it on the show. We had Tim O'Reilly on the show talking about this with Google search, where you've got three pages of basically sponsored listings from Google on hotels. And if you want to be surfaced in those, you got to pay Google. And if you don't pay Google, then good luck because you're going to be three page scrolls down uh, before anyone's going to see your listings. And when the platform vertically integrates and competes directly against its suppliers, its producers, its creators, in this case, um you know hotels or or travel operators or or um travel providers it it starts to be very clear cut in terms of the platform favoring its own listings not necessarily to provide a better you know they'll say it's to provide a better experience but really just so they can monetize more and sell more ads um you see this also with youtube where youtube gets into trouble is how they uh regulate their community of creators, right? So either, um, banning creators, suspending creators, uh, you know, shadow banning posts, um, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, nuking them from the, from the search result listings. And that's more of a content moderation issue. There are issues on both sides here. I think the easy The easy layup is on Google search. It is clearly a monopoly. You have years and years and years of uh, testimony from websites that have been competed against unfairly. Now, to the House's credit, we live streamed their congressional review. A few of the congressmen and women on that committee did a very good job grilling Sundar, Google, on exactly this point. They didn't even focus on the consumer and privacy issues. All they focused on was, "Hey, you had websites you you actually ripped the content off the website and then made it your own. And, you know, you have deliberately crammed down people in search results to favor your own search results and charge more ads and yet Sundar didn't have a good answer. It was a horrible answer. He, he wasn't very good at public speaking. Um surprisingly, I don't know, he just kind of like gave non-answers and kind of just murmured and it was, uh, it was a letdown. Oh, and, and Sundar, when, when they asked Zuckerberg um, about, or no, when they asked, I think they asked maybe Sundar first, when they asked them about whether or not China had stolen their IP, he said, oh, no, I don't think so. And then Zuckerberg mm-hmm. said, um, yeah, absolutely, they steal IP. And then Sundar said, you know, I want to update my answer. I do remember that they actually stole IP from Google like 10 years ago, and that's why we left China. Mm-hmm. So um, clearly the guy just, you know, he's just not, he didn't want to be very truthful uh, until, until it was blatantly obvious what he was doing at, via Zuckerberg, basically calling him out. Anyway, I digress. Sundar, Google, search, uh, if that's what they focus on. And by the way, you don't need 40 lawyers and months and months and months and months to put this together. This has been going on. It's well documented for years. Um, that's the case. That's the case. Google search controls, uh, you know, seventy plus percent of the search ad revenue business. Probably what forty plus percent of digital ads, and splits that duopoly with Facebook. And so they clearly have that kind of monopoly power in advertising. And then the question is, well, are they taking advantage of their customers? And all you need to do is make the linkage that website creators are considered a customer of Google search, which by the definition of the platform business model, producers are customers, right? You have, you have two customers. You have a consumer, in this case, a website browser, a user, and a producer. And the producer is a customer, right? Um, actually, when you think about it, who is paying Google? It's not the consumer, it's the producer right? That's the definition of a customer. The customer are the you know, travel sites and a myriad of sites that have been taken advantage of by Google, where their organic search results get crammed down and they're forced to pay the gatekeeper, Google, for ads to be relevant and show up in the results. Right? That's, that's the definition of customer. I'm paying you for a service. Customer, website creator, taken advantage of, boom, case is done what's my confidence the DOJ will thread the needle on this one? It's low. Unfortunately, it's low. And this article cements that uh, suspicion why it's low. It's because, well, (laughs) you know what else, you know what else gets me is this career lawyers. Oh boy. Oh boy. They've been trying to get these tech monopolies on antitrust for 20 plus years. So you don't want career lawyers on this because clearly the career lawyers aren't understanding and aren't thinking about antitrust through the proper lens. And the fact that the career lawyers need more time does not give me confidence that they've got a good case. They're What they're probably trying to do, where they're probably getting hung up is... They're trying to go back to the consumer and pin this on the consumer that because Google used the data and took advantage of the suppliers, the producers, it ultimately disadvantaged the consumer. And that's how you lose. That's how you lose. And you just make a fool of yourself. So uh, I hope, I hope that doesn't happen. It probably will. And if it doesn't, it still doesn't mean that Google Alphabet should be broken up. What it does mean is that they need to be regulated, that these producers need to be protected. Like we talked about with Tim O'Reilly, when platforms hit that monopoly scale, they take advantage of the producers, of the creators, of the suppliers first. You need producer protections. And uh, we've seen California AB5 try and fail at that. Um, with with Uber drivers and et cetera, and gig workers. So that's a whole other thing, right? Once you can make the case that there's antitrust violation, what are the appropriate producer producer protections? Um, and we've spoken about that in different places on the show, uh, but it is company specific. It is case by case, right? These are These are very different businesses. These are very different companies. These are massive trillion dollar companies. You can't just have a... Um, one size fits all law or rule to regulate all kind of producer protections across all the platforms. No, it doesn't work that way. Um, so it's a whole other debate. But I frankly don't even need to get into that because I don't think they're going to get that far. I would love to be proven wrong. Do you think that the DOJ will try and pin this back on the consumer? Or are they only going to keep this focus on the producer? What do you think? Thanks for joining us.